The following contains spoilers for recent Marvel productions. We do not claim to have knowledge of future spoilers, but will gladly take full credit if such come true. We will not address any leaks, but if our speculations align, it's purely coincidence. Welcome to Why Is with Ty and Dan, a Marvel podcast where we try to figure out just who and what is going on in the cinematic multiverse. My name is Danny Vincent, and with me always is Tyler Borland. That's right, I'm Tyler Borland, and this week we discuss the rise of MCU great Matt Damon. Yes, our long-awaited talk about Thor Ragnarok is finally here, because guess what's releasing in theaters in about a month? Thor Love and nope. Thunder. Oh, I'm excited for Nope too. What? Well, nope is the is, new Jordan Peele movie. The new Jordan Peele movie. That is true. There's a ton of. I didn't know if you were going to say nope and then say Elvis, or if you. Oh. I didn't know if you were going to go with that with that bit, or yeah. Are, are we going to talk about Elvis? Or are we going to talk about Get Out? Nope, we're going to talk about Thor Ragnarok this week. Yeah, we're we're going to just jump straight into our our general thoughts on Thor Ragnarok because are we going to talk about Thor: Love and Thunder this episode? Yes. But we should talk about the movie before it, before we really get into that. So, Tyler, what are your general thoughts on Thor Love and, <laughs> Love and Ragnarok? Um, so, it's still my favorite MCU movie um, thus far. I have written in the script of all time thus that. far. Thus far, uh, I've got hopes for Love and Thunder. While I appreciate all of the humor, action, and character work with Thor um, still to this day, I did pick this film apart much more than I have in the past. Uh, when it flops, it's more of a Magikarp flop before quickly evolving into a Gyarados-level amount of entertainment. Because of those moments, I think the message or vision of the film can be easily lost. And that's that's where I would deduct points. I have a lot of complicated thoughts on this movie. I, do th- I am very positive on the movie, to be clear. I... I said this before when we recorded, I want to have this on the record, that this might be, I really don't know, because I haven't seen the Guardians movies in so long. This might be my favorite one, but I don't think it's the best MCU movie made. Mm-hmm. Because I think it has a rough first act, and after that first act, I'd say a solid sixth of the film still doesn't work. That said, the other five-sixths of the film are firing on all, on all cylinders, being radically entertaining, uh, and there's a lot of great stuff here. Um, and I say that when you say there's a lot of great stuff, that makes it sound like you're like, well, yes, there's all these issues, but look at all the good stuff. But no, I actually do think Thor Ragnarok is a great, like, this is probably my most watched MCU movie. And even more so than Avengers, um, which is saying a lot considering how much longer Avengers has been out. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, I would definitely say this is, this is also my most, most watched um, but like you said, we had, we had talked a little before this. Um, I do think that there are better there are better told stories in the MCU. I think a lot of it's nostalgia, you know that uh, because oh, I remember well, when this when this came out. Like it's well, it's nostalgia, and then also the stuff that works for this film that just keeps it in its top spot for me. I don't want to get too much into a certain thing about nostalgia with this film, but I will acknowledge it because if Julius is listening to this episode, former 
guest of the podcast and friend of the podcast, Julius Jefferson. Uh, he will remember what we call pulling a Ragnarok back when I lived with him in Carbondale, which is that uh, after, one of the, after one of the times I saw Thor Ragnarok, something relating to personal drama at the time, which again, I'm not going to get into here on the podcast, really got me in a bad mood, even though I still love the movie. And I basically got very drunk in the house and started throwing stuff around for about an hour, going, everything is terrible! I can't believe I did this! All, all this happened at Thor Ragnarok! I'm so mad right now! That now that I mentioned this, I want to look up my letterbox review from Thor Ragnarok, the second time I saw it. The first time I saw it, I was like, this is great! Uh, and the third, the, excuse me, the first time I saw it, that's what I said. The second time I saw it, I kind of posted like my meltdown as a review. Because I was... Melting down the Julius and my roommates, I was texting my uh, other former podcast member, guest, uh, not member, she is not a regular on our podcast, even though she is one of our most regular guests, Sarah Knopf, but my letterbox review at the time was, I'm going to read it to you right now, four to five, I have 21 likes on this review, which I got to say, that's a little excessive letterbox fan base, uh, this is still, no, this is fun still, yay, with three Y's at the end. But I'm sad. But, lowercase, Thor is good. No punctuation. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That is my my second letterbox review. Letterbox angst. (laughs) (laughs) I have quite a few letterbox angst reviews. Uh, If you ever want to dive into my letterbox, I should do a a bonus episode of some podcast. Not this one, but maybe my Pixar podcast. I don't think you'd be interested in diving into my letterbox. Uh, but well, I just look through my favorite reviews because I know one of my favorite reviews I've ever written is um I'll just paraphrase it now. It's my review of the forgotten uh, comedy Mike and Dave Me Wedding Dates. Do you remember that movie at all, or like the trailer for that not. movie at all? No, I don't. It's um back when they're trying to make Adam Davina thing. It's a buddy comedy with him and Zac Efron, and they need wedding dates, and they ask him on Craigslist, and Aubrey Plaza and Anna Kendrick are the wedding dates, and it's really funny that you know the title characters of the movie are the way less like accomplished actors. Cause now I think you say those two pairs of actors, more people are like, Oh, Aubrey Plaza and Anna Kendrick. Sure. Anyway, my review for the movie is literally just me pointing out that there's a scene it's set in Hawaii and they talk about how they're going to go toward the, where they shot Jurassic park. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they keep building it up to it. And it's like going to be a joke. And they play this big majestic music when they cut the Jurassic Park, but it's not the Jurassic park theme. They didn't pay the royalties to play the Jurassic park theme. Even though it's, I believe it was made by the same studio, I think it was made by Universal. So all they need to do is pay John Williams like a royalty fee, and they would have been allowed to do it for the joke. But they don't, and that's how low effort the movie was. And that's my whole review for the movie. Is like that is, that that right there tells you everything you need to know about this movie. Uh, and I gave it like one and a half out of five, I think. But anyway, that's my thought on my nostalgia of Thor Ragnarok. I re- and the thing is also I can't really say I'm nostalgic for Thor, Thor Ragnarok because like again I saw Avengers at midnight. The first Avengers at Midnight. Yeah. I've been, I know you got in the MC way later than I did. But I'm just saying, like, to me, I can't really say I'm nostalgic for it. Because the thing that this is, it's more nostalgic for, like, oh, that was my senior year. And I saw Thor Ragnarok. I saw Coco. Those were, like, the big movies in my senior year. And Black Panther, of course, later on in the school year, too. But anyway, let's talk about the movie. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I do want to say my time seeing this in the theaters, I did see it down in Carbondale. Um, with the recliner seats. Saw in the recliner. My, oh, uh, I love the recliner. this was the first, this was the first movie, uh, MCU movie that I 
uh, went and saw with my brother, and then like we just kind of have kept the tradition of seeing the MCU movies together. Oh, nice. So it didn't work out with Doctor Strange 2, but hopefully we'll get back on track. But, uh, but yeah, so thunder. He, Feel he, the thunder. Sorry, <laughs> he wanted he wanted to go see Justice League because that came out around that time, too. And he was wanting to go see that. And I was like, dude, I am not watching that because I watched Batman vs Superman in theaters. And I was like, I am not paying to go watch that. Uh-uh. And uh, and I wasn't hearing good things about it. And I was like, I would I think I'd rather see Thor Ragnarok. And he's like. Okay, sure. Well, we were going to go to a different... So we were going to go see Justice League and we were going to eat at a different uh, restaurant. And then that restaurant was like packed or closed or whatever. And so we ended up just going to Taco Bell. And then we went to go see Thor Ragnarok. And I just remember like the... I had so much fun with that whole with that whole yeah. experience. with Which just saying fun and Taco Bell in the same sentence just tells you like how much fun I actually had because sometimes hey, those do- experiences Taco Bell is good dog food. It, it is good. good. Food. It is good. This, uh, dog food, this dog, this dog it's ain't afraid to, to go back and st- I'm trying to come up with the dog metaphor. It's not working. <laughs> I'll, I'll, Anyways. I'll say really quickly. Cause I kind of, I kind of went into it already. Yeah. I actually saw this movie three times, all with different guests we've had on this podcast. First time I saw it was with Julius on opening night. Then I went to go see it with Caleb on later in the opening weekend where we ran into people which caused a lot of personal drama in my life that led to the Thor's good review. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sad, but Thor's good. And then I saw it a few weeks later when I was home for Thanksgiving break with Drew Hayden. And yeah. uh, I remember like he was also he wasn't expecting it to be good. And he was like, God, that was really great. And for all three of these people, really, this is what got us like Taika's YTD is great. Maybe not Julius. I think Julius had seen what we do in the shadows. But this is like mm-hmm. the movie that got us all hooked on Taika by TD, which I need to watch this pirate show because it just got renewed for season two. I need to watch it. I need to remember to watch it. I need to continue. I need to continue Reservation Dogs. I need to start that too. I need to watch the new season of What We Do in the Shadows too. The new season that's been out for like a year. Uh, anyway. I've got that in my in my watch list on on. Hulu. Well, you're gonna watch the movie first. Movie first, so. yeah. So. All right. Tune in for the Let's next Let's talk about episode. Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. We have a list of five topics here that we are going to table at least until... Let me see what timestamp we're at. We're at 10 minutes so far. So we're going to table these for at least 20 minutes. We're not going to talk about any of the stuff that we have here for 20 minutes. Besides maybe my second note, because I think that might just come out naturally in our discussion. Because yeah. this is our... This is... Before we watched it, we all said it was our favorite MCU movie. After watching, we're like, maybe we have some issues with it, but it's still really dang good. So we're just gonna freeform discuss it. And since I wrote down four top three topics I want to talk about later, and again, really honestly, Tyler, don't worry about mentioning any of the topics I've listed besides the first one and the last two, obviously, because we always end on those last two. But yeah, Tyler, why don't you start it off? Because you didn't write down anything. Yeah. So well, earlier I was kind of writing down something that uh, I know we're gonna talk about later, but. I my, it was my thought that I that I had had while watching it, and it was we're watching Heimdall uh, as he is saving Asgardians, and I was just like, you know, he got a little like he moved around a lot more in this one than necessarily the other two that he's in. I haven't but, seen the Dark World in so long. Uh, Dark yeah. World, I mean, like 
Sure, he runs like he catches uh, Malekith's ship as it is, uh, you know, it's like covered in the camo or whatever, and it's sneaking into into Asgard. And then he jumps on the ship and then he jumps off the ship. And I don't remember. I think he takes that ship down, but then another one gets past the barriers or whatever. That's about the extent of what he what he gets to do in that one. Um, which I think that yeah, he helps Thor and Loki escape, but like they could have still done a lot. Like he could have still had a lot more action to do, you know, in that film. The first Thor, I understand that we needed uh, what's his name, uh, Thor. That you know, that was his. That was a journey. Oh no, Heimdall's fine for him. Heimdall, I have no issues with in the first movie. Also, because if you think about it. Idris Elba's star hadn't fully rose in twenty. That's true. So it's yeah. okay that he's in that role. It's just that as the role, as he's gotten bigger, the role has stayed about the same. Size it stayed about the same. Weird. Yeah, and uh, like I'd say, his most significant role is in Infinity War, which he's in for less. What about his Age of Ultron cameo, where he just screams, "Ragnarok is coming"? Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, there is that one. There is an Age of Ultron. They should have kept Thor actually going in, like visiting the fates, the Norse fates. Uh, there's the deleted Wait, give, scene. Okay, so what about Idris in this movie? What about in, this in this movie, movie, I he, I'm just like you know, even with like Taika missed out on an opportunity here to really give him give him the, some like a little bit of, like some time to shine, you know. With him being the ones like that, yes, he is leading the refugees, the Asgardian refugees, um, on planet, like to hide, to get away from, uh, Hela, but called her Hala, and I'm like, that's a planet, never mind. Um, to get away from Hela, you know, and like that is admirable in what he's doing there, you know, he's risking his life each time that he goes out to rescue these citizens. But I, I I just think that he could have done a lot more because before Thor gets back to Asgard, things are very stale on Asgard. All right. You know, I, I want to talk about that, but I want to give you a Danny's attempt to be Tyler and rewrite the movie to make Idris's part better. I mean, um, I, I was getting close to that. So, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, no. What I'm no. no I want to try. I want to try. Yeah. I've never done this before. OK, I've never done this before. So I think the issue of Idris is writing here. And trust me, I'm getting to my point. Uh, the issue of Idris's writing here is that everyone else in the script, well, not script, because this isn't written by Taika, but in this film, is Taika, it's being performed like they're in a Taika YTD movie, aka they get to be really funny, but they get to also have seriousness to them. You get what I mean? Like, there is yeah. still gravitas to them when there needs to be. Heimdall, he's written the exact same he's always been. The only other character I'd say isn't changed that much is Loki, and that's just because Loki is already kind of being written like how Taika would write Loki. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or do Loki. How do we fix this? The answer is simple. The only movie I've seen Idris Elba be in where he gets to be really funny, at least mainstream-wise, is The Suicide Squad, which I don't like that much. Mm -hmm. The Suicide Squad rightfully realizes, though, what makes Idris funny is if he's the straight man to someone else being goofy. I posit that when Hela comes to Asgard, she kills only one of the Warriors three. Because the other ones are played by Ray Stevenson, who is very funny in the first movie, and Zachary Levi, who doesn't get to be funny in the second movie, 
But we know from other projects he's a funny guy. So we have one of them survive Hella's attack and then be Idris' scene partner. Mm. Where they get to be, in Zachary Levi's case, he can be comedically scared of Hella. Ordinary Stevenson's case, he can just be the, but what about this thing? And that isn't really important. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he can just play a more heightened version of his character from 4 1. That gives Idris the chance to give those, like, very funny just looks of confusion, which he does give one in the third act. I can't remember with who. Uh, I think he does it to Loki or to, like, Cord showing up, and it works then. But I think by having that there, if we are going to keep the entire Idris plot in, that would make Idris's stuff be more entertaining, at least. Because I think Idris's stuff is worse than Kate Blanchett and Carl Urban stuff, because at least they get yeah. jokes here and there. Mm-hmm. Idris's stuff is just straight, serious throughout. And I get that you want the gravitas that Asgard is in danger, but it sticks out like a sore thumb when the rest of the movie has their gravitas, but also interchanging with the humor. That makes sense. Like I yeah. think it yeah. totally does not match the film. It's too serious for the rest of the film. Um, that's my that's my Tyler S pitch on how you fix the movie. Yeah. 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 No, I agree. I'm there's a part that I'll I'll rewrite later on. So so yeah, and it it actually uh the Idris and one of the Warriors three um being involved in that I think would would make for a much more interesting Asgard Asgardian events. Yeah. And you can easily have it there too, where Idris sorry, I'll be done, don't worry. But when Idris uh goes back to get the sword and just have him see one of them like somehow like still breathing, like he goes like, Oh, and then he saves them. And heck, you can even have like oh, what if Ray Stevenson's like does like, you know, the whole, I have a life death to you, Heimdall. And Heimdall's like, no, please leave me alone. Very yeah. cliche bit, but it'd be better than what Idris currently has in the movie. Yep, yep. And Taika could, Taika could play around with, with that a ton. Yeah. He, like, he could have a lot of fun, a ton of fun with that. He could have to where uh, Heimdall is checking to see if everyone's alive. And then one of the Warriors 3 is like, he has this like, he lifts his body up and then he at like it looks like he just died. Like he just let out his last yeah. breath. And then Heimdall has this big moment of respect. And then he coughs and he's still he's yeah. actually still alive. You know, and then I, I can totally see that where Stevenson and, being hilarious. Yeah. yeah and like, then you know? like he t- he talks with Heimdall and uh Heimdall he's like, you know, remember remember me, do the do this in honor of Asgard, blah 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 blah. And then he He's just resting. He like closes his eyes and then Heimdall starts to walk away. And then he's like, no, no, where are you going? I'm still alive. And then he, you know, comes back <laughs> like just play. I could totally see Taika doing yeah, something like, with it. Yeah. Now, granted, I do recognize this is one of those things where it's like it's a nice hypothetical, but I also recognize that this movie is already a two hour long comedy. Yeah. So uh and in all honesty, I think other stuff needs to be cut down before we add stuff. But this is how you fix Idris's character, especially when you know he's going to die. In, well, I think that Taika has no idea what's happening in Infinity War in this movie because in Infinity War, we've discussed on this podcast before, completely undercuts everything that's going on here dramatically. Anyway, so... Uh, but that's not this movie's fault. I don't think that's this movie's fault. That's an Infinity War problem, not a Ragnarok mm-hmm. problem. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Uh, do you have something else you want to say about Idris, or can I bring up my other thing I thought of? 
There's something. There's one big point I want yeah, no, to talk about. Yeah, you go ahead. This movie to me, I love it, but it has always felt like Taika got hired after the script was done. Was like, mm-hmm. yeah. ooh, Trash Planet. That sounds really good. That's my really bad New Zealand accent. I want to do a movie about Thor on the that Trash Planet. Still sounds like Jeff, Bono. Jeff go. With, it doesn't matter. Your Bono Jeff yeah. as the main bad guy. And that would be really fun. And I can get my friend from Hunt for the Wilder People to be his sidekick who's really dangerous. And Rachel House, that's my friend Rachel House. Ooh, and I could get Tessa Thompson. I really want to work with her. She could be like the sidekick who becomes good. And that will be my movie on the trash planet. Ooh, let's put the Hulk in there too. That would be really fun. And then Kevin Feige is like, okay, but. You got to do the first act that resolves for the dark world. And then you got to do the last act that destroys Asgard. So we send them on a ship to the world, you know, earth for infinity war. And Taika's like, okay, I guess. And to Taika's credit, I do think the third act still really works really well. Mm-hmm. The issue is, is that first act, it's all just set up, set up, set up until we get to trash planet. And then it feels like the movie restarts. And I, I know it's the car, but it's ever since people have called it, like, I remember talking to Julius when we left and he's just like, I wish it was just set on Trash Planet. Ever since then, I've always called it just Trash Planet because that, that, that fits. And that, I feel like that is what the characters, like, if Jeff Gold, if the Grandmaster went to go see this movie, be like, I like the part with the Trash Planet. You know, like, that's what he would say. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why I thought that was like an Owen Wilson impression. <laughs> Mobius was like, oh, I don't want to go back to the trash. I mean, <laughs> I mean, honestly, that would have been a good part of Loki where he's like, yeah, you missed out on the trash planet when they're watching the clips of like Loki's future. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, and <laughs> anyway. you arrived on the trash. But then also, planet. they're like, yeah. but then also, like, the cat cuts back to Kate Blanchett and Carl Urban are just so like, again, I think Taika does eventually find like thematic stuff to put in there but it's just like can we go back to trash planet please yeah uh, and that's yeah. the biggest issue with this movie is that on first watch yeah i like all of it but afterwards i'm just like can we go back to jeff goldblum and valkyrie please well um and loki and everyone and, the, and the hulk this, obviously. this gets me thinking like about location i understand why hella is going to Asgard because that's where her power lies because she says like she's yeah. you know she's the strongest when she's on Asgard. So I totally get that. But we've been on Asgard in two move two prior movies. So give us a different location because Asgard's really only that one location, you know, so it's you know the palace well, and then a little bit of the city. So I think what if Hella would be on Trash Planet. What if Hella would be on Trash Planet as well? You know, but okay, okay. So here's what I'll say. One, I disagree, but I'll say for a lot of reasons. I, I can. I'm not going to totally be like here are the reasons you're wrong. But here's why I disagree: is that I think Trash Planet as it is. If you gave me a cut that just Thor lands on Trash Planet, ends when he escapes from Trash Planet, I think that'd be a good movie. Post credit scene is Loki gets talked to by Korg. There you go. Great movie. Right there. <laughs> awesome stuff. I don't want Hella on Trash Planet. I think yeah. Jeff Goldblum is as good and is a great antagonist mm-hmm. with Rachel House and what the Hulk does there too. I think he is fantastic in this movie. 
Uh, I think Kate Blanchett's really good with what she's given, but it's not good. But I also say that if this is the movie, and we'll get into this when we talk about the politics of this movie, which I think are actually really fascinating. If this movie is going to burn down Asgard at the end of it, we have to spend time there. I'd say the failure of this movie is that you feel, I feel like we see more of Asgard in the first one because Kenneth Branagh has a much better eye for that type of thing than Taika does, yeah. which is fine because Taika has a great eye for Sakaar, you know, mm-hmm. like he really does, but he does not have a great eye for like the ye old Asgardian paradise. Right. Um, but I do think you need scenes on Asgard so that way when we lose it, you feel something. But I'd say that you only really feel something because you know it's Thor and Loki's home still in the movie, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, one thing that I really, really enjoy with this with this film is uh, Taika's use of color. And he tries to introduce some type of vibrancy into every shot. and. Like I've I've never seen the Rainbow Bridge look as vibrant as you know as it is in this film. What would you say is can I wait, can I just gush about my favorite shot in this movie? I think it's the most show offy shot in probably any MC movie. And it's a lot of colorful shot. It's the shot where Grandmaster is summoning Valkyrie and Loki, and we see them walking in upside down. So you think it's the traditional, you know, like Marvel has like that shot in a lot of their movies where it's like the camera's just rotating from upside down to right side up. Like that's in Black Panther also. Yeah, it's, but in a, this movie, it's a clockwise it's, movement. Yeah. Yeah, but in this movie, it's like actually you're watching their mirror reflection on the ground and the camera's pulling up through the mirror to reveal the Grand Master. I love that shot. So mm. I just want to gush about that shot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's really show offy, but it works for me. I love it. Uh, but yeah, I'd agree. Uh, the color in this movie is really well done. My favorite joke in the movie has always been the "It's my birthday" reveal. Oh my god, the like with the song, yes, yeah, and then the fireworks, I, and then I, I, I sing along, I sing <laughs> along with it every single time that yeah, that I watch this film, which I did today. I'm glad this is the this is the only MCU movie that has an orgy joke. Yeah, I have that on the record. Only, yeah, only MCU movie with an orgy joke. I, I, no. There is something that. Oh, uh, you're right. There's the one that's in Ultron. That yes, like, I was like, uh, there is the one in a lot Age of, of discourse. Th- yeah, a lot of discourse on that one. Uh, you're right. Yes. I forgot about that. <laughs> I I did too. That one's a little less. Like, that one's a little less. Uh, less funny though. This one's funny. This is a better word. Yes, joke. this this one is much better. And also, it yeah. just it it did not feel like Tony Stark did not redemptive. It like. You, like yeah i'm like tony you've you've redeemed yourself how many times and now you say this what are you doing my guy uh yeah that is the mcu tony what are you doing That's there was oh it, imax imax we we i, I watched, watched it with an, yeah, yeah i watched it in the imax and like uh i thought the the very first time that we get the imax expansion is when thor is calling on his hammer um, when he, uh, he's trapped by Surtur, and I, I really liked how how they, you know, used used the IMAX format um, for that. And there were there were quite a few times that it surprised me that it was going out into looks, the IMAX. But I think this uh, this one, as I, I think I mentioned this in our Doctor Strange and the Ultimate Madness episode, but I prefer it more when they do the shifts than when they do the whole thing. Yeah, 
Yeah. And I think Taika has a good eye. I got the Thor Love and Thunder trailer when I saw Doctor Strange in IMAX, and I was really happy to see it was selected aspect ratio. Mm. It's not the whole movie. So, um, I know. I thought it looked nice. We got to rank the Revengers. Who's the best Revenger and who's the worst Revenger? I'll go. Were we counting Korg as a Revenger? Yeah, count Korg as a. Ah, well, if you count Korg, then I think you also have to count, you gotta count Loki. Meek. You, you have oh, to count Loki is definitely a Revenger. I was yeah. going to say Loki's 100% okay. a Revenger. Because okay. okay. the scene with the Revengers that I think about is the one with Bruce, Valkyrie, Thor, and Loki. And we get that fantastic uh, <laughs> snake choke, which is awesome. Yes. Oh my gosh, I love that just and the thing the humor, that sells that humor, joke so work. well though the 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 Hemsworth delivery is great but the cut to loki just smiling at it like it's a happy memory yeah fantastic fantastic part of that joke yeah i i, uh, I love i love hemsworth's uh storytelling where he's like or yeah. he's just like and i just absolutely adore snakes and it's it, yeah it's it's so good this is a movie full of moments I love. Because another moment I love in that scene is there's a moment where Thor's kind of like, kind of like, he's kind of like big, goofy, but there's a moment in that scene where they reveal, yeah, he's still smart. He's just, this is his person, his dude bro personality he's picked up over his travels with the Avengers and stuff. And that's when he talks to Bruce Banner about the science behind the devil's anus. Yeah. And it's not like, you see that joke in other movies or TV shows where it's like, oh, the dumb guy said something smart. But in this case, it's like, oh, no, yeah, Thor is really smart. He just is kind of goofy all the time because that's just how he is. That's just how that's, he is. Yeah. 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 And it, it I honest, love that moment. It honestly, like, going back, like, watching Thor before this, it's it's nice. Like, I, I pick up on a lot more of the of the humor with Thor in prior films, I'm like, oh yeah, he's actually a funny guy. He's just not being given the chance to make the jokes. Oh yeah, Hemsworth is hilarious and everything, everything he's in where he gets to be funny. He's great. I think he just absolutely shines in this film because the script allows him to. And I would say that Taika also also uh, you know, allows that as well. Yeah, I'd say with this movie um, is finally a Thor movie where Thor is like, spoilers for MVP, but Thor is objectively the best part of this movie. If I walked up yeah. to someone who said, because like with Dark World and Thor, everyone, like most people will say Loki is the best part. If anyone told me Loki was their favorite part of this movie, I'd be like, what are you talking about? Like that, did you watch the movie? Like that would literally be my response. Like, because Loki's good in this just because Loki's always good, but like, I wouldn't even rank him top three. That's kind of the point I was going to get. Is like yeah. I think I'd go. I like Loki four. the most in this film. Well, no, I like him most in the TVA uh, series, uh, the Loki series. But yeah, out of the, out of the films, I'd say that I like this Loki the most because it's it's just Loki being. I don't know. He's he actually feels like he he is a person rather than I just have one motive to rule. I, I think, I think you're underselling him in Thor one. I think he is the best part of Thor one. Mm. Uh, and that I have no idea. I have no idea who my MVP was of that. I probably said something like, I probably probably said the big, 
Do what? Probably Anthony Hopkins. Miranda Warfrey. (laughs) Ah! (laughs) But, um, I probably (laughs) said something like the Destroyer was the MVP. Who knows? But... Uh, Korg, fun character. Valkyrie, I love her. I have an entire note on her. I think we have to talk to you before we get to our other points. We have to talk about Hulk in this movie. Yeah. And Banner. Because I remember... Thinking of look, looking back on Marvel, honestly, this is the biggest role Bruce Banner ever had in a movie. Mm-hmm. It's great because you finally get the dual Hulk Banner personality. Yeah. And Ruffalo does a great job of doing both of them, even though I do remember always being really confused by because Ruffalo's performance is so, for lack of a better word, everyone else here adjusts really well, but Ruffalo, like, Feels a little uncomfortable, but it works because that's his character. His character's uncomfortable too. Yeah. But I think about like how he's like, "What am I doing? Why? Where are my clothes? Oh no!" And he like he has like a very like he feels like he's not comfortable with how broad the comedy is. Mm-hmm. But like I like that. It's it's a very like weird performance. Yes. <laughs> oh, ab- about the IMAX. About the IMAX. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There is a. There's a scene in the finale where Thor is standing on the Rainbow Bridge and Asgard is behind him. And I'm watching in the IMAX format and I'm like, this is awesome seeing my whole screen filled up like this. Why can't... What is the difference between this, like the IMAX format with the, you know, near full screen and having full screen? Like edition of a of a film that there is there any uh any there is a big difference yeah is this because i didn't watch my order report Uh, well (laughs) (laughs) for listeners if you're confused uh i told tyler all week i was gonna finally watch my order report because i checked it out from the library so i had it on hold and then last night i was gonna finally watch it i noticed the dvd was a full screen edition so i chose not to watch it because i'm not gonna watch a steven spielberg movie in full screen so tyler my the reason why i ask is because like I'm like, you know, I really like I I kind of miss seeing the you know, everything fill my screen and yeah. But anyways, give me give well, me your reasons. Gonna, so yeah. technically, the IMAX you're watching isn't even IMAX on your TV. Right. Uh all every Marvel movie is shot if it has IMAX sequences, I've wrote digital IMAX cameras or they're taking their normal digital camera format and the term is opening up the mat. Mm-hmm. Because every film is shot getting everything, basically. And then you choose the aspect ratio you're shooting for. Yeah, it's what I, I can't really get into it because it's, it's not it's not one size fits all type of thing. Mm. Um a real IMAX camera for real aspect ratio attendant for IMAX is what Zack Snyder's Justice League looks like. Oh um, yeah. If you've seen trailers for that, it's that is what a real IMAX looks like. Yeah. Disney Plus's IMAX enhanced, I don't believe is even the full IMAX ratio that those movies were shown in theaters with. Mm-hmm. I think it's a little cropped, so it fits your TV. It is. It is just a little. What, what was your question? I was basically, basically why, why are we stuck on widescreen instead of full screen anymore? Well, it depends on the movie. Yeah. I just know that a like lot Avengers, of... Remember the first Avengers is shot in The first Avengers is full screen, but I think everything the after new, that... The Suicide Squad... The Suicide Squad, no, Ant-Man. Ant-Man 1 is also shot in that way. Oh. Um, 
But also, the Suicide Squad last year was shot in that aspect ratio. The what you call the full. It's so weird to talk about because full screen really means four three. Yeah, uh, which is what Zack Snyder's Justice League looks like. Yeah, um, but so weird to call that and not the Snyder cut. Uh, but uh, it's just a choice. Um, I think most movies aim for the standard widescreen format because when you're in a theater, that's what fills the screen. And honestly, movies yeah. are built for the movie theater. Okay. Uh, and personally, and you'll find this calm, out. Calm down, whenever there, Vin we Diesel, cover, but. Whenever we cover Infinity War and Endgame, if you watch those in IMAX Enhanced, I think they look terrible. Mm. Uh, I haven't watched them in IMAX Enhanced, to be clear, but I did see Avengers Endgame in IMAX. I remember just being like in shock at how bad it looked. Gotcha. Because it's just like, you get more image, but great. Instead of just seeing the top of Nebula's body, you see down to her knees. Okay, I didn't get any... Like, that doesn't make this picture more cinematic. Yeah. Like, it. it's just like, I get to see more of... Like, I see more of her, of Nebula, and I see a bit more of the planet they're on. Great. It's not composed for that image. I think about, the one I always think about is, uh, well, honestly, when I saw Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange has really great cinematography that Raimi built for the aspect ratio he's used to shooting in, but then when you see it in IMAX, it's like, whatever. Like, it looks cheap. That's just my opinion, though. I'm, I mean, other people might disagree with me on that. Raimi might even disagree with me on that. It's all a matter of preference. Um, yeah. Personally, I prefer the black bars because I prefer to watch a movie in a theater. Um, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I was just curious. I didn't know if there was any. It looks more epic to me, personally. Yeah. That's my take. I think it looks more we- epic when it has widescreen to it. Mm. Uh, it might not fill your TV, but it makes you feel like you're not watching a TV show. True. Personally. Yeah. Because I feel like, remember, even Avengers 1, we say it looks like the visuals effects on it are good, but it looks like you're watching a TV show because it's not shot. True. Did you want to say anything about Hulk, though? You never said anything about Hulk. I I think, like, that... Yeah, I don't really have much to say about Hulk, um, aside from, I, like... The big thing about Hulk is his... Is, like, the Jekyll Hyde always struggling with the inner inner character the other you know the flip side of the coin and i actually like felt that we got that in this film whereas in well i'm not even going to count first avengers in it you know in in that in that talk but age of ultron i think the two felt like totally different characters whereas this one it still felt like it was two people one body though whereas age of ultron just felt like it was two characters when bruce banner is not on screen that's when hulk is on screen and rather than you know they're like hulk is actively talking about like no banner banner bad you know like we we like hulk or you know you you hate hulk and um yeah and i'm i'm glad that we got uh more of that in in this film and I, it's i don't know it, no it's I, nice I, to it's, finally get it especially because after an infinity war and endgame they skip over it it also well and, and it also allows for like the other characters to be able to act and react to what's happening there rather than just running away the reaction of valkyrie to seeing banner such a great moment yeah i i i literally like 
it's become a meme since then. This movie also, I feel like, is the last MC movie to really have a lot of memes come from it. Because there's also the, is he though? <laughs> That's yeah. everywhere always. <laughs> but like, I always think of, the, whenever I see that Valkyrie reaction gif, it makes me laugh so much. Like, because it's so like, her reaction is like, what? Like, it does Because it, it looks like a drunk person's response to like, what is going on type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Let's get into my five topics. And by my five topics, I really mean my three topics. And there's other topics I'm going to talk about. Colonialism. Let's let's get the heavy one out of the way. Yeah. Right? This is one of two MC movies that are about colonialism. My hot take is, and I will probably get more into the issues I have with Black Panther when we talk about Black Panther, whatever that may be. I think this movie actually tackles colonialism and post-colonialism better than Black Panther does. Because Black Panther, both of them are about, at their heart actually, princes who discover their fathers directly contributed to colonialism after they covered it up. Um, and Black Panther, it's because of complacency. In this one, it's more because Odin outright per- perpetuated it. Uh, and history is written by the winners type of thing. And this uh, all comes out in the Cape Blanchett stuff that we, I don't like, which is always just like, it's a bummer. This is during the Cape Blanchett stuff, but it is interesting to me. It is to me, this is saying more than any MC movie had set up to this point, really about anything besides of course, guardians two. And it's though that's not a political movie, but it's a very thematically driven film. I also like, I love that the answer to it, the only way to get rid of the stench of your past colonialism is, this is is my, my father's getting out, but it is the politics of this film. All right. It said the only way to get rid of the sins of the past is to burn it all down. That is really like, that is the message giving Mm -hmm. at the end. The only way to stop our past from keeping us back because our past is hella is to burn down everything that came from the past and only keep the people that are around because that is what matters is people what matters is not our culture that is built on blood and terror like terror it is the good people who have come out of it uh and i just think that is such a wonderfully radical message to sneak into this movie that's just about oh thor's messing around on our trash planet uh like no, because I, I I don't think like because there are other movies where you can be like it's like this is what the movie's actually about. But all of this is set in dialogue by Hela and Thor. This is all in the film. And I think it's really cool that Taika put that all in there. Because Taika, you know, is a Maori. Uh and all of his other films, uh most of them besides Jojo Rabbit, um, deal with the Maori population in New Zealand. And talk about colonialism from the, of course, the New Zealand perspective. Uh, and I think it's great that he's like, all right, I'm not being allowed to write the script, but I am going to make this be what the movie is tangentially about. Uh, I just think it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's a message that watching the movie also, everyone can get behind. You know, even if you like politically might be be like, I'm not going to not going to get too much on like current politics. But like if you are a person who's like, eh, I don't want politics in my Marvel movies. This is something where you'd be like, no, but Thor is right to do that because Hela wants to, you know, bring back the past. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like it's kind of like um, I'll just make the compare. You've, we've, you've, we've all seen Get Out of Here, right? You've seen Get Out. I haven't. No. 
What? I I haven't, Danny. No. <sighs> Never mind. I my point's been made anyway. I was going to spoil the end to get out. It's one of the most brilliant scenes in honestly the last ten years. Uh, but whatever. I really thought you'd seen it. I, if I known you had, I really thought we'd talked about it. Whatever. I would have given you that my green room the first time. <laughs> you know, you hadn't seen it. Like the very first green room, I would have given you the get oh, out. Oh, <laughs> that would have been quite a green room. Actually, if you would have given me that, I probably would not have given you Cat in the Hat. So. Cat in the Hat? Yeah. Yeah, instead I'll give you, like, Can You Forgive Me, which is a fantastic piece of work. Anyway, now, I think this movie functions as a great joke on the MCU overall. I think it's very open for newcomers, but... There are so many great callback jokes in this. So many great jokes. Like Hulk seeing Loki again. Yeah. Uh, and like Loki being like, yeah, that's how that feels like. Yeah. Or like, of course, my favorite, the running. And it's also really funny to watch is knowing that Infinity War and Endgame never touches back on the relationship. You can tell Taika actually bothered watching Age of Ultron. Taika's like, all right, I last left Hulk. He was in love with uh, Black Widow. So we're going to integrate that into the plot. We get those really funny moments where oh. <laughs> Chris is just like, sun's getting sun's real getting low. Real low. <laughs> sun's getting real low. Sun's getting real low. Yeah. And I love the, and it's cheese, really funny. the cheesy look on Hemsworth's face right there before <laughs> Thor just smashes him into the ground. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just tr- throws him around. It's It's fantastic. Uh, I like the, it's not really a joke. It's more of a continu- continuation quotes, but the, uh, the, I'm sorry to hear about, uh, that Jane dumped you and it was a mutual dumping. And I, I love, I love that where it's like, let's just get the elephant in the room. Let's get it, get it out of the way that like, this is where Jane is or isn't, you know, in this film. And we're not focused on Jane in this one. I, and, uh, I like it. This, this of course, would be the part we mentioned where Taika's like, I don't think anyone really liked Thor to Dark World or remembers it, so I'm just going to recap it at the beginning yes. with Matt Damon. Also, uh, <laughs> uh, uh. Uh. Oh, shout out, because there won't be a time for me to shout out him later on. Anthony Hopkins' performance when he's being Loki. Yes. Fantastic. Fantastic, no yeah. Really great. <laughs> All right, now my next note is, we talked about it briefly, but the legend of Tessa Thompson she comes in here, makes me very tempted to get, make her MVP, even though it's still Hemsworth's movie. This is probably the best first out showing of any one of, I don't know how we call them because they're not sidekicks, but like the Falcon character or the war machine character. You know what I mean? That's what yeah. Valkyrie's role is in this film. And she has the best first outing of any of them. Instantly feels iconic. Love her throughout. She's really funny. Uh, and her, I love her dynamic with Hulk so much. It's just a really great performance. And honestly, it also feels like a star-making performance out of context, too. Because she'd been in the Creed movies, and she'd done a lot of indie movies. But this is the first movie where it's like, yeah, I would watch something with her as the lead. Definitely. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Like, she's so good here. Um, just, really great stuff. Just naturally funny, too. Like, yeah, and she fits in perfectly with everyone. Every yeah. person she has a C partner with is great. Uh, her scenes with Jeff Goldblum so good, and Rachel House. Oh, 
I love Rachel House's and uh, Valkyrie's dynamic in this movie. So funny. Yeah. Rachel House also, uh, we, there's no, we kind of mentioned her, but like, what a way to like, just be like, all right, I'm going to try to get you my friend in a Marvel movie. I don't know if you're going to have that big of a role, but I'm going to make sure every scene you have is really funny. She has so many good lines in this movie, and she's not even like a top five part of the movie, but she's so, she and Jeff Goldblum, match made in heaven. Yeah, yeah, they Brilliant, are. brilliant choice. <laughs> oh. I, I, I wonder if Sakar also has SNL, only it's Sakar, <laughs> it's like Sakar Night Live, or yeah. Sakar Nightly Live or whatever, and it's just uh, Jeff Goldblum, Goldblum and House. Jeff, Jeff Goldblum like, and Topaz. Yeah, go, <laughs> Jeff Goldblum and Grandmaster and Rachel Topaz. House. Just it's just their conversations. <laughs> yeah, the the, uh, the bloopers. The, the, I didn't watch them this time around, but the bloopers are really funny. And they were allowed to do some imp- improvisation with with their lines. And sir, the so slaves good. have escaped. Excuse me. Unpaid work. Yes, work the work. Un, it's the unpaid workers <laughs> with jobs. Yeah, uh, unpaid prisoners with jobs. Labor. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's unpaid servants with jobs. Yes, it, yeah. it's, it's so. It, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a great moment. Oh, this is like. Like, see, this is a movie where you can just. We haven't even mentioned get help. Get help. Great joke. I'm not doing get help. So many great moments. Oh, I never said my actual, like, my favorite action beat of this film is when Thor Loki finally gets to use his helmet as a weapon during the immigrant yes, song moment. Yes. I love that. <laughs> yeah. And the, the sound it makes is so satisfying. <laughs> I know. Oh, I, I did have a note about that. How, like, this is, this has been the first MCU film for me to note that the actors, like, used. And not just the main actors, but the actors used props around them or parts of what they were wearing to fight. Yeah. Because, and I'm like, if when you're in a scrap, like, yeah, yeah, just one on one, you know, circle of people around you, just fists, whatever. But like, when it's fight to the death and you, you just gotta, pull out all of the all the tricks yeah and loki definitely feels like one who would who would do you know do something like that yeah i love it all right before before i get to our last two points i will drop my one last take which is the revengers is the single best lineup for a team we've got in the mcu sorry guardian sorry any avengers lineup you can't beat the lineup of revengers when mm-hmm. you're weakest and if the only one that's weak and that's if you count them is heimdall Everyone else is such a memorable personality. And they all bring different stuff to the table. Love it. All right. Score. I really love this yes. score. Yeah, that's what I, I am was so say. bummed yeah. Michael Giacchino is coming on for Love and Thunder. Because I just love this score so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love love the tech love the techno, love the synth. Um, I love how Taika uses the the sounds. He uses the sounds for cuts, for L cuts and J cuts all the time. Um, there's one where it's a uh, there's like a it's like a thumping noise while they're on Sakar, and then it transitions to the thumping being the sound of uh, 
as guardians trying to break into the palace. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, man, that is, I'm like, that is such a, it's a, yeah, it's a J, it's a J cut. And I'm like, that's got so such great good. style. I'm like, that's so good. I, yeah, yeah, so, so good. But yeah, anyways, this, we have to mention with the score, at least for me, this movie does what every other Marvel movie has done. What we ask every other Marvel movie to do that they never do, which is although Mark Moversberg's score throughout is his own personality. Yet I, for me at least, I always feel so much at the end when Thor takes the throne and the theme from the first Thor movie mm-hmm. that we haven't heard since the first Thor movie when he was being talked about how he will one day be king plays triumphantly because he has finally taken his place as king. Such a great moment. Yes. Uh, I love it. Uh, and it's also something where it's like, we haven't heard the whole movie, but it's okay because we're playing it at that pivotal moment. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's I really fantastic. wish Mark Muffersberg was coming back for Love and Thunder. Because I loved what he did there here. And I can't imagine Giacchino doing better. Boom. 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 With Thor. <laughs> with Taika's direction and we just get the Batman the score for Thor Love and Thunder I, I just imagine I mean uh, I can see it I can see your uh, Michael Thor, Giacchino but... being mad Michael Giacchino two months before the movie comes out going to the Doctor Strange and being like Danny Elfman didn't use any of my Doctor Strange theme really I'm just gonna put my Doctor Strange theme on Thor <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, lis- I listened to well uh, I got like it was going through the MCU fanfare, and I'm just like, this, the current MCU fanfare is the same one that is, like, that was used on Thor Ragnarok. It's still the same one today, and it's just boring. It's, I'm like, it's like, uh, well, there's a reason that half the time they blare it out with pop music. Where they, know? where they, half the, time they, half the time they play pop music instead anyway nowadays, you know? I loved what they did with Eternals. Uh, I forget what they did with Eternals. It's Time by Pink Floyd. Uh-huh. Oh, well, I just such, remember the Ant Man one. The, the first Ant Man one. That is a good one. The first Ant Man does a good one. Uh, and of course, the Guardians movies do them well, too. Yeah. Um, but what I was going to say is what I love also about the logo here is the pan up from the red on the logo to the film directly. Yes. You know, like it pans up and you just see Thor in the, sh- the shell and he goes, yeah. You're probably wondering how I got here. I, I, yes. Uh, yes. And, I love how love how this film opens. We just get right just get right to it. And it's like you know from the beginning it's like this isn't this isn't our regular neighborhood Thor. I'm gonna yeah. let you drop your take on the post credit scenes first, because I have a take, okay. but I wanna hear yours first. Okay, so and I just watched it today. The first post credits is the uh it's Thanos' ship, right? That's the first one. Yeah. 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 Okay. So. Oh, wait, wait. Before we talk, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't mean I keep cutting you off, but I'm like, tweet. I just want to give credit to this. Such a great running thread in this movie emotionally is Loki uh, not being there and him testing by throwing something at him. Because then at the end, when he catches the thing, when he's actually it's there. such a great. Yes. Pick. Yeah. When he's there. Anyway, sorry, go on. I was just thinking that because I know Loki's in that last scene, you know? Uh-huh. So, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think... I don't know. Like, watching watching it today, I was, I was kind of like, if this was the scene 
Because this is supposed to be the scene that comes right before Infinity War. Um, you know, set about six months to a year after the end of Ragnarok. Um, it's it's okay. Um, I mean, I'm just I'm just kind of like, like when I was in theaters, I was like, oh, that's Thanos. Like I was like, it's it's Thanos. It's got to be Thanos. Yeah, I I don't know. I like I don't have any issues with with the with the mid credit scene. The post credit scene, um Grandmaster, you know, uh getting out of the is, is it is it an escape pod or any more Jeff Goldblum is what we'll do. Oh yeah, Any, yeah. That's my take. I'm right? I'm I'm just I, kinda like I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll take it. And I, I don't think I still think that the grand Ma- the Grandmaster is alive out there. I, he either wormed his way out of oh, it, I think so or too. you know, he's the question. It's always it's type. a question of if Goldblum would come back. You know, yeah, That's the question. exactly. But I love I love that they leave it just up in the air like that. Um, yeah, and it's I I love the are you are you what is it friend or food or are you fighter know. or food? I think is yeah. My take on these scenes is. This was my sixth time watching the movie. Uh, I saw the post credit scene the first time I saw it. I think I saw it the second time I saw it because Caleb wanted to see them. Oh, no, because the other people I ran into there wanted to see them. And since then, I've left the theater or turned it off before then. Uh, these are useless scenes. And to me, it's kind of like the Doctor Strange one where I could see me at least skipping the mid credit scene, you know, because I like the joke at the end. But it undercuts so much of the movie I just saw that it gets me annoyed. Mm. With Doctor Strange, it gets me annoyed because I love the cl- the cliffhanger ending of Strange like being in pain. And then it's like, whoop, he's okay, actually. And in this case, it's like Thor just like finally triumphed. He lost his eye, but he gained the throne and actually deserves it. Uh, but JK, Thanos is going to slaughter everyone. And it's just like, I don't need that downer. This movie was such a good time, you know? Like, Yeah, yeah. So I don't. I think they're fine for what they are, but like, I don't really want them. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, one other thing I wanted to say before we get to our wise awards. Another great line. That's not a joke. Are you the god of hammers? Yes. Ugh, so good. Yeah. Anthony Hopkins brought it for the little bit he was in this movie. All right. Wise awards. Yep. I think uh, MVP. For both of us, it's pretty easy it's, to, to know who it is. It's Chris Hemsworth yeah. finally reaching his potential in the MCU yeah. as a lead. I mean This is the movie where he finally becomes a level as Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. When when you uh when you let your actors act and don't write them into a corner, it's amazing you, what they can where do. Where you finally write for their strengths. Yes. You know, yes. like finally writing for Chris Hemsworth's strengths here. Showing how much charisma he has, how funny he is. It's just, it's really great. And rewatching this made me realize, yeah, I'm, because I think Thor is good in Infinity War and Endgame, but nowhere near as good as he is here. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I love Taika doing Thor with Hemsworth. They're and such he, a good collaboration. He, he had a major uh, diet change for this role, too, because they told him. Uh, we want you to be like his prior workouts and diets for pri- the prior movies where he was Thor 
Um, they wanted him bulk, you know, just bulkier and not necessarily defined with his muscle. He went vegan um, for this for this role, and like, it just he's a lot more ripped. You can see his muscles a lot more in this one, and the ooh, the Thor haircut. Uh, like the haircut's so good. It's so good. Yes. Also, top five Stanley cameo. Yes. Yes. Great Stanley. Such a good one, especially because it gets called back to later on, like an old guy, a creepy old guy. (laughs) Yes. It's so great. Yeah. And oh, and and we get at the very there are so many good jokes. This this podcast could literally just be us listening off the great jokes. Like literally, I just thought of the. This is a disguise. Look, you can't see me. (laughs) Not when I hold it like this. (laughs) Like so many good jokes in this movie. The uh, when Doctor Strange is like, I just need a strand of your hair, and you know, pulls out his hair, and like watching that, and I'm like, oh, just wait till later, like you know, just no, not the hair, please, just, sir. just wait till later, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Oh, I also just love because it feels like the, there's a gag in this movie that I love because it, I feel like it's a reference to the other Chris Hemsworth movie is when he goes like, oh, don't if there's anything wrong with this being for women, it's about time when he says something about something from like the start seven hundred years ago. Yeah, about time we have an old female. Because <laughs> I, I feel like that's a reference to Ghostbusters. Honestly, that's like, uh, like, the Ghostbusters reboot. <laughs> is that is that it's in... when he discovers she's a Valkyrie? Oh, okay. I was I was like, is that in this or is it in in game? Yeah, it's in it's in this one. Do you know what you want? Joke doesn't work for me though, and this will well, and I think it might work for you because it. Reminds me of stuff that's happened on this podcast when I do pauses. Is I don't really think that the hammer pulled you off joke works that well. It goes on too long. Personally, that's like a mess to me. I don't think it's that. I think it's yeah. funny initially, but then it just keeps going. It is. It's just like, all right. It, it, like, it is funny. Uh, the, setup, the setup is there early on, and then they add like another step in the process. Of and it just of keeps it. going. Yeah. It doesn't end. It's just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. All right. Favorite scene. Favorite scene. Um, Thor visits... The- Oh, yeah, oh you okay. First. You can go first. Yours Thor- is chronologically. No, yours is chronologically first in the film, so we can um, do yours first. Thor visits the strange doctor. I, at, this did not used to be my favorite scene. The fate. My favorite scene was either it used to be either Hulk and Thor fighting each other, or um, the friend from work. Yeah, he's a friend from work, and I just I love the comedic work there. You know, you know and, the story behind that line, right? Yes, you know yes, it's so line, right? good. Yes. Um, and then there's there's one other that I always I always really like, but this one like what through this watch through I was like you know I I really really like this because Thor is finally taken he's taken out of his element and it's it's a little reminiscent of when he's banished to Earth you know in the first Thor but I'm like this is just like it the the timing of the jokes everything is so well done. And yeah, pacing of the scene so good. I would also say this is great because this is the only time so far Doctor Strange has been in a comedy scene. Yeah, like a purely comedy scene. Yeah, and he works so well. And my favorite, my favorite bit of this sequence is the editing joke where he keeps looking for stuff and Thor just constantly, is, yes. like, like every time it cuts, he's like, Ugh! in the first, <laughs> the first couple ones, he doesn't mind it so much. He's just trying to not <laughs> spill his beer. And I love that. I love that because he's just like, he's like <laughs> this, this, I need this. Uh, yeah. And I just also love, it's such an easy joke, but the sound design on the umbrella. So funny that it keeps the, yes. uh, Mjolnir's uh, sounds. Yeah. Uh, it is, it is a great scene. 
Uh, I mentioned this before we record, though. We got to call out those gloves, though. Yeah, uh, on Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange should look. It's not a bad look. It's just not as not a good look. You know, like it was was a good idea to drop them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I well, and especially since the gloves are they're they're an artifact that like they have powers, and I'm kind of like he just randomly he randomly has the has the gloves, and I'm like we didn't we didn't have an introduction of it at all. I'm like this isn't the the place to. My that, personal theory with it is that um, not only were they still figuring out the design, but I think they might not have known what makeup they want to do on his hands yet, and Tycho didn't want to be the one to figure that out. Mm, that's you, a good uh, one. It's just a yeah, cameo. that's a good point. That, that'd be my guess. Yeah. Uh, all right. Oh. Oh, I haven't said Yeah, what's your scene favorite scene? Yeah. Uh, so I love the escape from Sakaar. There are so many great jokes here. I've already mentioned some of them. It's my birthday. It's my birthday. Topat. Yeah. Uh, Technically, we count the great payoff of like Thor being like, you're so predictable, Loki, as part of that. Mm-hmm. But I even think like Valkyrie and Thor jumping from ship to ship while that music blares. That music is so good. Uh, and then that scene where they like just both jump on the ship at the same time. And also, again, though, that's the scene also has a moment where it's like, Ark Ruffle, I don't know what your performance is here, where he goes like, I don't have a PhD in flying yeah. space. Well, I love. I it love sounds what Thor like, is it like. It sounds like he's doing a Jerry Seinfeld impression. Oh actually. yeah, like it's such a weird cadence. I do. I do he love. Like he's actually scared. I do love Thor's comment where he's like, "Just use one of your PhDs," because I don't think like Thor doesn't know what a P what the PhD does. Well, no, really, it's a great callback but, though too. Yeah. It's like early, he's like, "Does the whole have seven PhDs?" And Thor's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, whatever." Like you know, yeah. like. <laughs> Uh, I I also love when uh when when Banner is like he is thrown onto the uh onto the ship and he just lands and like the other two like Thor and Valkyrie land on their feet and he just lands boom on his you know on his stomach flat on his it's face. great it's, it's so great. good yeah yeah <laughs> I also just, just like just don't touch anything. Really, but the skies thing where he's like he's like oh yeah well I'll just be I'm in disguise I'm Tony Stark right now. yeah and then he just like and then he's like trying to fix his pants and Thor's like stop that's weird yes. <laughs> like, like, just, just stop it's like, but they're so tight <laughs> uh, yeah but no like honestly like it's hard to pick a favorite scene of this movie because, mm-hmm. like as I said, this I had a feeling this episode's just going to devolve into me saying this moment is great, this moment's great. This is it's really like this is a movie of moments where like yes, the Kate Blanchett stuff is necessarily great, even though I think she's good. I just think the writing is not nearly as compelling as anything else. I think Kate Blanchett is really good on this. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Like the acting's there, but the writing it's the writing the writing put her in a corner and moved from Thor. Left, let Thor be free and pushed her into a corner. Yeah, yeah. Um, but ultimately, it's like right, this is a Thor movie, so I don't really care. Yeah. But anyway, worst scene. So the worst scene. Do you want me to go first, or you go first? Because I'm going to change mine. Just so you know, I'm not going to say what's in the. I, I'll say what's okay. in the doc, but I'm going to. Well, is is yours after the point of mine? Because we just talked about no. Mine's, Hela. mine's near the beginning. Mine's at the okay. Beginning yeah. The well, if you want to go, yeah. Okay, so my first one was uh, the Idris Elba, like Thor calling him up basically on the phone and giving exposition because we already said it's the real bummer of this movie, more than Blanchett and Carl Urban, is that Idris never gets to be funny when everyone else in the movie gets to be funny. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think the scene is bad, that's what I'm about to say, but it is something that sticks out always. 
is the horrendously bad green screen and Odin's when he dies. Just yes. such a badly composited scene. Mm-hmm. And it's because this is, I feel like this is the first really evident example of Marvel's thing where they like make adjustments up until release and it's an issue with how the movies look sometimes. And this is the most evident first ish portion of that because you see in the trailers this sequence happened in New York City and we actually know why because originally Odin was going to be found like in, in an alleyway. War. Yeah. The same, the same alleyway. I mean, it's unofficial. It's unofficial, but it's the same alley where there's where. Well, just hold on. It's the same alleyway where Jared Leto uh, was starting to become a vampire when the Spider-Man murderer poster was found. That's the same alley. It's true. Same it's alley. Morbid time. It's more. It's more. It's morbid, morbid time. <laughs> Anyways, did you see that's coming back to theaters this weekend for five dollars? We could finally do an episode. <laughs> Danny, let's keep moving on. <laughs> <laughs> More of a time. Uh, uh, but no, it's that's the the worst scene is what I said with Idris, but I we have to mention that bad compositing because it is really bad. It is. Yeah. Uh, I I honestly rough. wondered if because oh, it's in IMAX. They that's it's in their IMAX format on Disney Plus. And I was kind of like I was like so bad. I don't know why they did it this way. And I wondered if it was the IMAX that is why like the compositing was looking so bad because I was composite, like, I was like, it does feel like it. Yeah. It honestly looks like 2007. Well, no, not as bad. It has to be. It's just got to be like. I don't. I don't think they shot it. I don't think they originally shot it on the green screen. I think they shot that in the alley in New York, like probably on location, because there are shots of like Odin. Like, I think it's not Odin in character, but there are paparazzi shots that you've got to look up if you haven't seen them. It's um. Anthony Hopkins looking at the paparazzi camera dressed up like as a hobo and he's just yeah. like sticking his tongue out the paparazzi and it's such a funny photo uh, but yeah like yeah it's not good uh, the compositing is terrible uh, but what's your worst scene? My worst scene is when uh, oh what's his name uh, not what's his name uh, when Hella is when she wipes wow. when she confronts assuming the villain's a man no, no. Oh, I'm sorry <laughs> when she well I was thinking of Anthony Hopkins and I'm like that's not who yeah. I'm thinking of um when Hella wipes out the Asgardian Asgardian army um when she's standing there on Asgard and all of the army is standing out you know confronting her um you know defending Asgard um number 1 Asgard feels super empty at that at that time, and I understand, like all the people of as the inhabitants of Asgard are like hushed away, but you couldn't have a few citizens like peeking out windows or like you know trying to see what's going on without without you know seeing what's going on. I it's it also like I understand that she's supposed to be super 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 powerful, especially when she's on Asgard, but you could do a better way of showing that if you allow her to go under the palace, she knows secret ways to get into the palace more than any, you know, anybody else on Asgard. And she's been there like for a super long time. She could land on Asgard, you know, make her way, keep the, the thing the same way at the, uh, at the Bifrost, 
and then she breaks into the palace. She raises those skeleton things, her army, back from the dead, and then you have the army of the dead fight the living army of Asgard. But I mean, budget I do too, like about this scene. But what's Can I say that? one thing I like about this scene? What's that? Uh, well. First, before I say that, we gotta say one thing that we never mentioned is that Hulk punches a giant wolf in this movie in the face. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, we just have to acknowledge that that happened. Yeah. Uh, but the one thing I do like about this scene is that it gives the coolest Warriors 3 an actual good send off. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other ones are like, I'm a, I, I really don't actually care that they die. Like, whatever. They've never been cool. But yeah. The one that does get the coolest send off is the best of the three. Like, I've always liked him the most. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah. So he did. I like I like that aspect of it. Yeah, I I like that aspect of it. I just wish we had a little bit more of a battle incorporated, sure. You know, in into it, and I think you could still show her. Um, is it omnipotence, all powerful? I I think I don't remember. I don't know. I, but, I we know what you're saying, but yeah, like just showing that you could show that, like with her, yeah, taking out like a whole bunch of people right there like yeah 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 anyways <laughs> okay all right <laughs> now let's talk very briefly yeah about the last Thor 11 thunder trailer yeah yeah so i watched it when it like the day of it coming out i think i think like you had texted me like at 10 or 11 at night and you were like hey this came out and then i was like oh okay so i uh, rushed to get a pair of headphones so I could listen to it and watch it, and and the ad didn't, <laughs> yeah, and the daddy didn't, uh, and like I just my my overall impression is like I have I don't know if I've been so happy watching a movie trailer like and just really like yeah, and I'm like I'm like this is gonna be so cool. Like and I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be so cool. I am, I am so excited for this, and like, just put such a big grin on my face. And I, I love all of the references to to the comics that they're making. Of course, like it helps that I'm reading a lot more of the comics now. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm so excited. Um, and this this last trailer really did it for me. But Danny, you just watched it today right yeah so i didn't watch the trailer initially because i saw top gun maverick which by the way i recommend to everyone um great movie it also might be the biggest movie of the summer which is crazy yeah but i like being surprised i always like when the box office is unpredictable so because it's also not like the other movies are bombing it's just that it's doing so well Mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah yeah uh like good for good for top gun I say this having just rented in our last episode about the military industrial complex in Hollywood. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, so when I went to see Top Gun, I did get the Thor trailer, but it was the first trailer for some reason. I don't know That's why they didn't so put weird. This one with it. Yeah, it yeah. was really bizarre. So I was like, well, and then I forgot that there was anyone out, and then I just watched it before this. Um, I'm not as positive on you. I think aesthetically, I don't think the movie looks that great. I think it looks very COVID affected. Which, might I say, was one of the reasons I really liked Top Gun, because it was nice to see a movie that, like, this is going to make me sound bad, but I liked watching a movie that wasn't shot during social distancing, you know? Like, mm. you can do cooler shit. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Very like you can do cooler stuff. I feel like also this trailer is hiding a lot. It definitely feels like it's being edited around things. Yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, definitely. I like what I'm seeing of Christian Bale. I like Valkyrie getting a line this time. I think it's probably going to be a funny movie that is hard to edit into a trailer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And again, my big hope with this movie has always been Thor Ragnarok is a really great movie that unfortunately has two way lesser movies grafted onto it. So what happens when we give Taika complete control of the script? Let's see what he can do then. Yeah. Uh, and in that regard, I'm very excited for this still. I think the trailer hints at a lot. Uh, that's exciting. Uh, I'm surprised. Did you look at the billing on the poster? The billing on the poster is interesting. I like I like billing. I I haven't, but uh, let me pull it right, up real fast. Right. I'll I will I'll hold it up, hold it up too, because uh, I want to make sure I get the billing right. Because the billing has me interested. Uh, I will say though, with this movie, remember how I was ex- I was surprised when we saw. I didn't mean to click that. I clicked Thor shirtless for some reason. I don't need that. Uh, I've seen Thor shirtless. Okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, how many times have we seen that in the MCU? I have. He oh he hates Hemsworth hates those types of scenes where he has to the complimentary well you know gratuitous yeah because recently well because since then it's been like funny like you know like since yeah. Ragnarok it's always been like a joke when it happens anyway so uh, what was I saying before this the billing on the poster you have Hemsworth well no, no I was gonna say one thing no 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 hold on no you don't have it it's not what I'm saying sorry sorry. Uh, I'll say one thing before I do this because uh, it's I don't want the po- the bill that billing. There's a different billing. On, there's two billings on the poster. Oh, but well, what I on do want the lower s- part of it. Yeah, I want the lower one. Okay. The lower one is different than the one on top. Uh, first, but what I want to say first is I noticed in this movie Ben Dick Cumberbatch does not get a big credit. And remember how when we saw Multiverse of Madness, we were like, we were surprised that John Krasinski or Patrick Stewart didn't get a big credit. Yeah. And I realized they've just not been doing that for a while. Like in the and this doesn't have the uh Guardians one. So the billing on this movie is Marvel Studios presents a Kevin Feige production. I don't like that, by the way. Please stop doing the productions, the Kevin Feige production. It's very weird. I don't like it. Yeah. A Taika Waititi film, Chris Hemsworth, For Love and Thunder, Christian Bale, Tessa Thompson. Jamie Alexander, Jamie Alexander yeah. getting full billing. She's not at the top of the poster, but she's at the bottom of the poster. Mm-hmm. So maybe she's going to have a bigger role than we thought. Because famously, she was not in this movie, which is good because she would have died. Everyone knows she would have died in this movie, right? And if Thor she, Ragnarok. They would have yeah. And Ragnarok, and Ragnarok. Yeah. She would have died. Um, Taika Waititi with Russell Crowe and Natalie Portman. Now, those last two make sense to me. But... Uh, I think Jamie. I, I really wanted to bring this up because Jamie Alexander being that high on the billing surprised me. Yeah, and she's not on the top of the poster, um, which is yeah. Anyway, that's really the whole reason I wanted to bring it up. Is like what? Also, Hemsworth is finally on as a producer, an executive producer. Mm. Look at the bottom. So good for him. Anyway, that's the whole thing I wanted to bring up with the billing is uh, Jamie Alexander. Yeah. She's not in any of the trailers yet. Is she going to be Valkyrie's girlfriend? We'll find out because we've been promised that she will find her queen. So you never, never know until you know. I also just love a. I also just love a, the image of Gore on the poster of him like smiling but having demon teeth. It's mm-hmm. great. Also, you know what else I noticed in the poster? What's that? Are the, is that a mountain or is that a pyramid? It looks know. like a pyramid. 
Yeah. yeah. It could be a pyramid. All right. Uh, let's wrap this up. We've gone a bit over. Okay, yeah. Uh, uh, so <laughs> I was referring to the upper, the upper Oscar <laughs> Isaac Egyptian marble yeah. thing, but okay. Uh, anyways. Uh, so, yeah. Thanks for coming out and hanging out with us. Uh, we would also like to thank editor Joe Schremer for editing this episode. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Also, next time, I'm saying next time because we keep having a floating schedule, which is okay. We don't owe, we don't owe you anything to quote a Christian Bale uh, superhero movie. You know which one I'm quoting, right? Green Lantern. No. Yeah, the, the famous Christian Bale superhero <laughs> movie. That we never Green, got. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, no. It's in the Dark Knight Rises trailer. I remember it's like uh, the Catwoman. And it's in the movie proper, but Catwoman goes like, you don't owe these people anything. You've given them everything you've got. Uh, but anyway, uh, our next episode, whatever that may be, hopefully next week. But if not, don't worry, because we're, uh, well, you'll hear about it next time, what we're doing with Miss Marvel. Uh, but we will be covering the films of Taika Waititi. We're doing three of them. And the reason why I say don't expect it next week is because we will keep pushing back this episode unless all three of us watch this movie. These movies. Okay? We have that on the record. We'll be watching What We Do in the Shadows. The movie that made Taika big. Hunt for the Wilder People. The movie Taika edited when he got hired to Thor Ragnarok. And finally, Jojo Rabbit. The movie that made Taika Waititi an Oscar winner. Which, by the way, I'm still bummed out these trailers have not put from Academy Award winner Taika Waititi in them. Mm. Come on. You think they'll on, wait Disney. for the final final trailer? I don't think there's gonna be a final trailer. I think we've we've got we've got everything. Track. I think I think this is a movie that I mean, Marvel and Disney rightfully out, realize so. they don't they don't need to market that much. Yeah. Like, just say we've got a four movie coming out, it's like Ragnarok, it's gonna be a fun time. Uh coming out for it. That's all you really need to market. Makes it's not sense. like Top Gun where you gotta market it super in advance and be like, hey, remember you like this in the eighties? Hey, remember this everyone, guy? Who everyone does his knows own why that like Thor. Take my breath away. Taika, my breath away. Maybe that should be our title next time. Anyway, go home. Uh, bye. <laughs> yeah, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Why Is with Ty and Dan. We can be found on various podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, and on our website, whyiswithtydan.buzzsprout.com. You can also contact us by email at whyiswithtydan at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at whyiswithtyan1, because I'm number one. You can also follow me, Danny Vincent, on Letterboxd at blankments for reviews of movies, including those not in the MCU. So we'll see you next week. We'll catch you in the next one.